Hello and welcome back to The Leftovers. While Dave is getting his genuinely Greek Bible ready, um, just want to welcome you back to our Leftovers Colossians series. Uh, you should know by now, you should know what I'm about to say as well, that if you haven't listened to the sermon, go do it. It's on the website, it's available. It'll really help you out with this um, this conversation today because Dave is literally got a page of leftovers from uh, the sermon he shared with us. Hello, Dave. Hello, Will. How are you doing? Yeah, great. You? I'm doing well. It's nice to have you uh, in front of the camera on my terms. How do you feel? Yes, yeah, the tables have turned. Yeah. They have. What's going to happen to me next? Insert um. office clip of <laughs> <laughs> Michael Scott, how the turntables. Um, yeah, so it's good to have you. Uh, this is a bit more of a... Um, informal kind mm-hmm. of light-hearted setting to be in and i just did what you uh moved your microphone stand in order to well I'm, I'm perfecting my coffee over the microphone stand <laughs> technique that is quite impressive like that so um yeah i think it came there no it's well quite, done i like it i haven't got to that stage yet i'm, well, I'm just practice move practice <laughs> make sure the gulp doesn't get into the microphone um but i do agree with what you said about you know, go for the main meal before the leftovers. Mm. No one has their leftover chicken sandwiches before they've had the roast chicken. And uh, I think that does apply to... Uh, I think what we talk about today will make less sense if people don't go back and listen to the... That's true. And uh, just like that analogy, there's a bunch of gold in yesterday's sermon. Um, don't taint actual Coca-Cola with Asda's own brand. There are other Cokes available. Um, we're not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> not sure how they'd feel about being spon- sponsoring a podcast mm. called The Leftovers. Mm. They kind of want the top quality product, don't they? Anyway, well, as- Asda might. They might do. Yeah, they might. You never do. know. I'd uh, I'd happily have a bottle of Asda Coca Cola on the table. <laughs> Prime uh, place. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, yesterday, you shared what I think would have been the most challenging sermon we've had of the series. And you, I was happy to hear that you pulled no punches uh, because there are issues now. When I say church during this podcast, it's capital C Church, global. Mm-hmm. There are issues within the church of um, kind of ulterior, not ulterior, alternate beliefs, mm. kind of fringe mm. ideas coming through. And yesterday you really took them head on. So we looked at Gnosticism again, mm-hmm. which we had in the previous weeks. Go look at our previous leftovers. For more on that, I believe it was Beth. Um, so La two weeks ago, mm-hmm. yep. looked at Gnosticism a little bit. Um, you didn't share a huge amount on this next heresy, uh, antinomianism. Mm. Um, so can you just briefly explain what that is and yep. then kind of go into what Paul's saying? Yeah, thank you. So um, if you heard what I spoke about yesterday or if, you know, you can listen to it again, um, you'll have heard I, I I said a lot of things like Christ is all we need. Jesus is everything. He's sufficient. We, he doesn't need any extras. Okay, We don't need to add anything to Jesus, which I stand by. Um, but I think sometimes people have taken that sort of mantra, that idea, and really twisted it to mean something very different from what I was meaning and certainly what Paul was meaning what we find in scripture. So I think you find this, uh, for example, in, well, not just the Church of England, but some of the big mainline sort of denominations 
where they have this kind of drive for their own version of unity and they say look the, the only thing that matters here is we all love jesus and so let's not fall out over eg you know lgbt issues i had that exact conversation on saturday actually really a dear friend mm. of mine who will remain unnamed for mm. for just pure love and respect um mm. he is he works in the anglican church right and was visiting and wanted to um go to the anglican cathedral it's a beautiful mm -hmm. building no problem yep, i got that. married there um and he was suggesting that we might be able to join in communion and i said no mm. <laughs> he asked why and jokingly i said well I'm a, I'm a bit more um um what's the word not anti-establishment that's not at all <laughs> what i mean um non-conformist mm -hmm. i said i'm a bit more, mm -hmm. more non-conformist than you brother mm -hmm. <laughs> um and he actually used the word well we we all love the same jesus mm. and i held my tongue a little bit because mm. it wasn't the yeah the time or place to say well i'm i'm, I'm not sure mm. I'm not sure we do yeah yeah yes there is a lot of that isn't yeah. there yeah and, and that's exactly it it's do, is it the same jesus because it's all very well to say it sounds good to say well, look we all love jesus that's the main thing let's not fall out over other issues but the thing is we cannot divorce jesus from his word yeah so when we talk about well which jesus well i'm talking about the biblical jesus jesus said if you love me you'll do the things i say um Jesus, who said, you know, when he talks about remaining in him and bearing much fruit, it's very much remaining in him and remaining in his word. Um, and so what we're not saying is, uh, you know, all you need is Jesus and then it's just a free for all. You know, you just do whatever you like. Love is love. You know, there are no rules. And that that basically is antinomianism is is um, sort of moral license. It's it takes you could say, this would be, I think, an oversimplification, but it's almost like it takes the gospel too far. It takes grace too far. You can um, do, do what you want because grace abounds. Exactly. Grace abounds. And, and you know, and Paul addresses this very, very uh, strongly and clearly in, in Romans, where he says, shall we go on sinning then? Yeah. And he says, by no means we died to sin. You know, so um, antinomianism is this idea that um, it, it's almost a sort of an exaggeration or it's a sort of, it's, a, um, it's taking the the idea of grace as we find it in scripture and then pushing it way further and actually distorting it into something it never really was so taking ideas such as the fact that we're free from the law of sin and death we're free from the penalty of death and then people take it to an extreme where they say oh we don't need the old testament at all and actually we don't need god's moral law and it's just a free for all so that so that is basically antinomianism and you find it interestingly not just in the kind of more liberal churches where i think that's more obvious mm. You also find it, I think, in some uh, churches that would call themselves very conservative evangelical churches. And the way it manifests is, you know, we just want to focus on the gospel. We're just here to preach the gospel. We're not here to, you know, try and transform society. You know, we don't want to get uh, held up on po so-called political issues like abortion or sexuality or whatever. We just want to preach the gospel. And it can sound like a good focus on, on, on evangelism, but actually... I think antinomianism is, is rife, and I've come across it in, in the work I do in some of the churches that, that would call themselves the very most conservative evangelical churches, but they've taken this quite narrow view of the gospel, and I think they've, they've sort of airbrushed out some of the moral implications of the gospel. Which I, I think that is very, it, it is Paul, it might, was, is it in Colossians where he says, you still need to drink milk and not move on to solids. Oh, that was, um, I think in Hebrews, he says something Hebrews. like that. Yeah. 
Yes, um, exactly. Which I feel like that is the stance mm. of no, mm. we're just going to preach yeah. the gospel salvation right. and no other yeah. part of the of of scripture because it is it is real effort and chewing in some of the passages that we look at, isn't it? I mean, even this yesterday, it was quite a a challenging one to to hear and kind of observe. Okay, what have I believed, and what do I need to change, and what do I need to bring back and and leave at the cross mm. and say, okay, no, that that's not Jesus. Mm. Uh, and those are the sermons that we need. We don't just need mm. baby food. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah, I think that the thing you were thinking of there, Hebrews, um, end of chapter five, beginning of chapter six, uh, and I think it's a great example of where really um, spiritual maturity is is linked to maybe even defined as distinguishing good from evil and being trained in righteousness. It's teaching about righteousness, and I think a lot of the evangelical church is is sort of in in forever childhood, you know, spiritually never moving on to teach about righteousness and so when it comes to issues of sexuality life ethics how we engage in politics whatever a lot of churches just their, their horse just stops it's like we we got nothing to say here we're just here to preach the gospel so that wasn't really what we were talking about yesterday um we were almost talking about the opposite problem yeah um of of legalism but it's really important to look at antinomianism um because that's another way in which we can get it really wrong. So I wanted I wanted people to see, um, you know, that's not what we're advocating here. We're not saying all you need is Jesus, therefore, you know, let everything go. Yeah, therefore, forget the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. It is, um, I mean, Jesus said it's, it's a narrow path, mm. didn't he? Mm. And this is mm. just a prime example of um, there's grace, but also there are still things that we need to do. Yeah. And was it, I think, believe it was with Beth again that we were saying, works come out of your faith yeah and wanting to live for the lord comes out of your love and faith for him that's right and not the other way around yeah yeah and i think that's a pattern we see in all the letters yeah um colossians being one great example um paul always begins really with the gospel uh arguably galatians is a bit of an anomaly in this one but pretty much every single letter he begins with the gospel celebrating all that we have in christ all that christ has done for us it's all by grace it's all by faith and then he goes on to the implications in lifestyle yeah because they spring from our faith that's where they have to come from because if it's if it's not coming from that then it's just human works and we do it in our own fleshly strength and it's that's a different gospel really exactly exactly and you you drew this out yesterday with the whole thing we had last summer. Was it last summer or was it even longer than, longer ago than that with um, mm. a group who left? Mm. And mm. there's still efforts to to make more people leave from our congregation mm. from that mm. that group. We heard this morning from from Dwayne, our, our church leader, of someone who is sending their brand new podcast to a church member trying mm. to draw them away even yeah. still. Yeah. Which um, just shows... Well, the drive of the enemy to divide the yeah, church, firstly. Right. Yeah. And the, I think, anger at the church mm. that there is because either they're not getting their, their own way mm. or they've been deceived. Mm. Well, I'm sure it's both. Mm. And this leads me to verse 19. Um, I just want to, it's a, more of a question really than a mm. remark. Um, this is verse 19 of Colossians 2. Mm. His lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, sinews, oh, good English, <laughs> grows as God causes it to grow. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this trend of Christians leaving mm. churchianity. Mm. 
do you see this addressing that? Mm. Yeah, really good question. I think you know there are two different things that can be going on at least, and they might um, seem interchangeable or, or the same thing, but they're actually quite different potentially. So uh, I think what we've got here in this passage is someone who actually hasn't left the church visibly, physically. I think this person is in the church. He's He's kind of, he's in the congregation. He's known to people probably quite influential. Um, uh, Paul speaks as if there's just one particular person. It could be a number of people, but my sense is that this person is part of the visible body. But what he's teaching and pushing, uh, you know, this this is the one who's going into worship of angels and all sorts, um, that shows he's actually apostate. He's, he's fallen away from Christ. It, well, probably, I guess, he never was. He never got it. I don't know. But uh, certainly he's apostate. He's he's um, preaching a different gospel. And so he's not in vital connection with Christ, but he's still hanging around. Right. Uh, in sort of, as it were, in the visible body. So um, there's a, the, you know, and I think it's important to see my understanding of Colossians 2 here is there are, there are kind of two different groups of people that Paul has in mind. The people he's writing to and the people he's writing about. And I think this person who's lost connection with the head is someone he's writing about. He's saying, watch out, don't let that person judge you, don't let that person disqualify you. Uh, that person's not in vital connection with Christ. He's he's lost his head. Sure. And these would have been read out at church. Yeah, right. And so you can just imagine this person sat in the back like, is he talking about me? Well, but I wonder whether the reason Paul is addressing, and I think that you probably say this about the other letters as well, where he addresses other people, sometimes by name. I think Paul in those instances is not, really trying to reach those individuals i think those individuals are probably so hardened and so calloused and far gone he's not trying to reach them anymore he's trying to warn others about them mm. and, I, and i think that's kind of what i had in mind as i was preaching yesterday and i think that would be something for us as a church to bear in mind is there are going to be certain people who are sadly unreachable they won't be persuaded but the key thing is to help each other to watch out for those people and not listen to them yeah and not be drawn in so the person you referenced who's messaging a member of our congregation um my key sort of prayer i suppose and 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 plea would be to that member of the congregation well you've heard this message from colossians don't let that person disqualify you for the prize don't let that person suggest you need something extra you've already got it all in christ yeah um, so, you know, wolves can't really be reasoned with, but they can be exposed and we can warn each other to stay away from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's good. Good insight. I saw this. I mean, you've kind of told me, no, that verse has nothing to do with church. But I saw this in really interesting tweet saying, what's more important, going to church or the church you go to? And I thought, oh, that's a really difficult question because mm. we've heard from this that there are churches who are not eating meat, are drinking milk, aren't mm. looking at the main thing, mm. are just going through the antinomian mm. movement, whether mm. that's the the saying. Anyway, let me move away from that as it doesn't apply to <laughs> to this um, subject. Now, one thing that you didn't really touch on yesterday, because, I mean, this would be a whole sermon in itself, is the worship of angels, mm. which is in verse... Let me scan it very quickly. 18? 18. I think so, yep. Yes, do not let anyone who delights mm. in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He's clearly talking about someone. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yesterday we 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 talked about it in, in as much as we looked at what this Gnostic belief was and what they were doing, but we didn't have time to go into was just how clear scripture is against the worship of angels specifically, and of course the worship of any created thing. So of course we've got the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me or alongside me, depending how you translate it. Um, but what's quite interesting is in the book of Revelation, for example, we actually get a number of instances where um, a human is tempted to worship an angel um, and the angel says, don't do it. Mm. In fact, I, I was looking at one just this morning. So Revelation chapter 19, for example, um, uh, Revelation 19, at, uh, so there's an angel speaking here. Um, at this, verse 10, I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So, you know, we know from scripture, I mean, angels are real. Um, uh, we're certainly not trying to teach against the reality of angels here. Uh, angels are a gift. They're ministering spirits sent to serve those who, who are inheriting salvation. Um, and and they're clearly very powerful and very impressive beings. And whenever um, people do see angels in scripture, uh, and they're not, as it were, in disguise. And mm. um, they are overwhelmed, often with fear or wonder, reverence, and the temptation to worship is understandable. Um, th there's a sense in which they're much closer to the divine than we are. But there's a very crucial distinction, which is kind of inviolable in Scripture, the distinction between the creator and the created. And angels are very much in the latter camp. They're created and that's why we can never worship them. And actually, there are a number of instances in Revelation. We see it elsewhere in Scripture. So um, I think it's, yeah, it's important to, to see that the worship of anything other than God is expressly forbidden, including angels, including prophets, including, you know, Paul is, is so keen that people shouldn't identify as followers of Paul. But, you know, he said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you, lest you say, Paul baptized me. So there's just this really strong distinction, you know, all worship must go to God, none of it must go to us or even to angels. And what's quite interesting in that is in this, we see one of the great proofs that Jesus is fully God because Jesus receives worship. And uh, we see many examples in the Gospels or a revelation of people worshipping Jesus and he receives that worship. He didn't say, oh, don't worship me. I'm just an angel. I'm just a man. I'm just like you. No, he receives worship. And that's one of the great proofs that he understood himself as God and scripture proclaims him as God. Um, so this um, this kind of Gnostic heresy in which they're worshipping angels is, is so clearly anti-Christian. And yet um, the, it seems that what's going on here, this person's part of the visible church, probably is calling himself a Christian. And there's a kind of mixing of... Uh, yeah, of of Jewish mysticism, Gnosticism, and Christianity all in one. Um, but when you stand back and look at it, goodness, they're actually worshiping angels. That's clearly against scripture. There's nothing new under the sun, is there? Mm. And we we see that in the world today with mixing of occultism, yeah, um, spirit worship, yeah, um, angel cards, whatever those are mm. called. Uh, uh, and it's it's yeah, the Bible is relevant throughout the ages, yeah. which is amazing, isn't it? We always talk about the Bible being alive, mm. and this is just so clear that it is. Yeah, I mean, not not much has changed. As you say, you look at the the sorts of heresies we're up against. They are 
so often the same. Yeah. Whether it's 2,000 years ago or today, it's denying the divinity of Jesus. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing. Mm. Some of the liberal sort of progressive churches, so-called, are doing. Bethel. Um, it's the, um, or, or flip side, it's um, the humanity of Jesus, mm. um, which we hear less of these days. But, you know, um, they'll say, okay, well, he was, he was really an angel. Again, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so they'll either deny his divinity or his humanity. Um, and, and Gnosticism, with its kind of dualistic, the spirit and maybe mind up here and then body down here, that is really common today. It's, it's actually what underpins the transgender movement. Yeah, and also, I, I did whisper Bethel into the microphone. I need to clarify. Um, so the belief at, at Bethel Church, I believe, is that Jesus received his divinity at his baptism. Right. Which was the spirit coming upon him. Right. And I believe it's at that point they would say Jesus became divine. Right. That's slightly different. Right. So that's kind but, of adoptionism. So that again, that's one of the ancient heresies. Um, and whether people will say that out loud or yeah. they'll just say things that kind of um, approximate to that. I mean, it, basically, if you hear teachers who really emphasize the fact, well, everything Jesus did, you can do because he did that through the power of the spirit. Now, in a sense, that's true, um, but you have to be very careful because actually yeah. that's probably, what well, no, possibly that is edging towards adoptionism and emphasizing only the humanity of Jesus. And often the kind of push for that is, um, well, it actually is quite attractive because it's the sense of, well, actually Jesus was no different from me, mm. essentially. So I can be just as special as he is um, in a in a way that's that's not quite, biblical so yeah very similar heresies we see throughout the ages yeah um and i do think didn't go into this at all yesterday because it wasn't so relevant for our immediate context but i think it is worth noting that i think in mainstream um official roman catholicism we see a lot of similar things going on now they certainly don't deny the divinity of jesus but I think there's something akin to maybe not angel worship, that might be a bit too strong, but sort of using intermediaries mm. to access God. So you've got uh, speaking to the saints, praying to the saints. Sometimes that is expressed as devotion, even worship. Sometimes, to, put, to kind of put it generously, it might just be, oh, we're just asking the saints to pray for us. But even that is using something other than Jesus himself. Who is in place to intercede on our exactly. behalf. Like who who would exactly. who would want to go to um I was gonna pick a random saint, Athanasius, why not? Mm. Is he a saint or a heretic? I can't remember. I think he's a saint, yeah. Okay. Oh good. <laughs> thank, thank you, years of study. Athanasius and say Athanasius pray for me. Yeah. Instead of going to right. the Lord Jesus Christ. Exactly. I have the same questions with going to to Mary, the mother yeah. of yeah. Jesus. That's right. Uh I mean you can see that Yes, yeah, she is a woman set apart, chosen mm. by the Lord for mm. this amazing mm. um, mission that he, he set. But she's still still yeah. sinful human. Yeah, that's right. She is just a human. Yeah. And I think uh, you see, again, a similar thing, I would say, in um, the priest, so-called, in Roman Catholicism. You know, this idea we don't access God directly, but the priest has this kind of special authority. Um going to confession with the priest and the priest kind of absolves you. The priest kind of declares whether you're forgiven or not. Um, and then the various rituals of the church. So I do think, now I, I certainly believe there are people who are, who call themselves Catholics who are born again believes because their trust is in Jesus directly. But I'm talking here about the official teaching of the Roman Catholic church and, and Catholicism as it's generally practiced. There's a lot of, 
you know, intermediaries going on. You know, there's, there's, and again, I think there is that danger of that sort of false humility we read about in Colossians 2, which is the sense of, well, I, I dare not approach God directly. I'll only approach through these rituals, through the priest, through the saints. Mm. But again, as you say, Jesus is our, he's our great high priest. We don't yeah. need a human to be a priest anymore. Those priests were only ever shadows anyway. So, so it's, it's, what grieves me about it is it's taking away from Jesus something of what he is. And uh, and actually, it's taking us away from what Jesus offers because we're now looking for it elsewhere. And it's so much more complicated, isn't it? Mm. When you think about it, really, Christianity is quite a simple mm. religion to follow. Mm -hmm. Jesus is Lord. He is uh, fully God, fully man. Mm. The, uh, the, the divine is Trinity, Father, mm. Son, Holy Spirit. Mm. You have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have mm. full access to the throne of the room yep. through the sacrifice of, mm. of Jesus. Mm. What else do you need to add to that? Yeah. Oh, and also you have to pray to the saints. Mm, also, mm. you have to follow this by the book. Yeah. Don't eat bacon. Yeah. We're going to get onto that in a little mm -hmm. bit. Don't eat sausages. Yeah. Anything with cleft feet. Cleft feet? Hoofs. Hoofs. Cloven. That's cloven it. Hooves? Cloven hooves. Cloven hooves. <laughs> the cloven hoofed animal. Um, so, yeah, let's let's quickly dip into verse 16. I believe mm. it was 16. Um, yes. Uh, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, new moon celebration, mm. or a Sabbath day. Now, this is one thing, again, which was a big mm -hmm. issue mm. Uh, last year, mm. which continues a little bit because mm -hmm. what separates the different laws? So mm. there's, you know, that there's three types of laws: mm -hmm. ceremonial. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get them all wrong now. Um, moral mm -hmm. and. Civil? Civil. That's right. Thank you. I knew yeah. it was a... Civil. So, civil. Think ceremonial, civil moral, yeah. civil. Yeah. So take us through... This is a little bit on the spot, but the, yeah. the differences between Yeah, them. sure. So in the Old Testament, um, in the Mosaic Law in particular, we, we see a whole... You know, there are hundreds of commands. I don't know how many. Um, and they aren't necessarily distinguished for us in a way that's immediately obvious. Yeah. But they can be categorized, I think, legitimately into these three different groups. So, uh, and we have to understand that just like all of Scripture, um, the law uh, didn't appear in a vacuum. It came in a context. Okay, so it came to the Israelite people. They were a nation, or becoming a nation. They just come out of Egypt. Um, so this was a comprehensive, not just moral law, not just moral guidelines or law, but actually how they were to function as a society legally. Um, and also their their sort of priestly sort of temple life as well. So yeah, you've got the, the moral law, which is stuff like don't commit adultery, yeah. you know, uh, don't murder. Um, which we would still hold to. Exactly. These are eternal. They're timeless. This is how God wants people to behave. And interestingly, it's how uh, God, God holds the other nations to account on these things. Yeah. So when you see the prophets going to other nations, their their message is not, how dare you not present a goat every so often uh, in this way? You know, why have you not cleaned your houses in this specific way? Um, why I, feel like you... I feel like I get told off about well, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a moral issue, I think. <laughs> so, you, so they don't, uh, the Lord through his prophets never holds the other nations to account because they didn't obey the ceremonial law or the civil law, but he does hold them to account on, on their moral law, you yeah. know, that the way they've treated the fatherless and, you know, um, and idolatry, 
you know, idolatry is, that's a moral issue. That's not just, you know, um, culturally sort of conditioned. So, so what you see is that everything, for example, um, that is ceremonial. So these are things that essentially prefigure Christ. They, they are pointing towards the reality of sin, the need for a savior, the need for atonement. There's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. These mm. principles are kind of taught very dramatically through um, temple worship and so on. Um, and so a huge proportion of the Old Testament law finds its fulfillment in Christ in a very direct way. And in a way such as to say, we don't need those things anymore because they were just a kind of shadow. They were just kind of... Um, precursor. Yeah, precursor. They were kind of... Ele- there were various elements which we were to see coming together in Jesus. So those are the things that are now obsolete. We don't need them anymore. And that's what Paul's referring to here. So um, he doesn't touch the moral law here. He's not saying, you know, don't let anyone judge you by, you know, whether or not you commit adultery or, you know, whether or not you're murdering people. He's not saying that. He's saying, don't let anyone judge you according to these shadowy ceremonial things. Yeah. So I'm okay to to eat bacon with my... You're okay to eat a bacon sarni, yeah, because... Because that was, I mean, and and helpfully, um, these different areas are are kind of highlighted to us very directly in the New Testament. So we're not really left to guess. Oh, is this ceremonial? Is this moral? It's it's pretty obvious, I would say, because you know P- Peter is showing this vision where the, the the these so-called unclean animals, the the animals they used to not be allowed to eat, comes down in a vision, and the message comes: get up and kill and eat. And Peter says, no, I've never eaten anything like that. He says, no, do it. And he's and he's told, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And in that, um, all foods were declared clean. Jesus says similar things in when he says, you know, it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. It's what comes out of your mouth. It's just about to turn to right. that. Right. Yeah. Um, Paul talks about it in various places in the in in the letters towards the end of the book of Romans. The writer of Hebrews uh, says in, in chapter 13, I think it's verse 9, it's good for our, our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by foods. Mm. So it it you know, for example, food, to me it's very clear that that is classified as one of the ceremonial things that no longer hold. And the same is true of holy days. And the whole book of Hebrews talks about how Jesus is our great high priest. So we don't need that anymore. Mm. There's also there are scriptures that talk about how we're all a royal priesthood. We all have access to the Father. So when you kind of think it through, I'd say biblically it's quite clear. Uh, which laws fit into that category um and uh yeah i mean if people listen to to yesterday's sermon they'll hear kind of a list of those different categories yeah uh again a reminder do go listen to that because we we've touched on a lot of things today that were not discussed yesterday and vice versa uh is there anything you want to bring forward that you you didn't have the the chance to i cannot understand your handwriting so i cannot kind of queue up a question <laughs> um i think um one thing i didn't mention that's perhaps worth mentioning is this we, we don't know exactly the form that this heresy took in Colossae. whether these are different elements slightly disconnected maybe different people pushing different elements or whether it is all part of one thing um I think there's a case to be made that actually it is all part of one thing because even this kind of Gnostic route, this kind of idea that we want to get some hidden knowledge, we want to get an extra spiritual experience, we want to be special, different from others, 
um, you know, the divide between spirit and matter, um, not taking seriously um, all things created by Christ and through him. That can actually generate not just what we called yesterday ascetism, so um, hatred of the body and denial, self-denial, kind of arbitrary self-denial, um, you know, for show often, mm. but also it can generate that that Jewish legalism. So, th- so what we see in in verse sixteen, um, we can just see that as Jewish legalism. Um, we see it elsewhere in the New Testament, perhaps in the circumcision sect, people trying to get Gentile believers circumcised and so on. So it can just be there in sort of Judaism. Um, but I think it's possible it was generated by Gnosticism in this case, because it's very similar to the ascetic drive, this this sort of hatred of the body, loads of external laws mm. that are meant to somehow help kill off the flesh, and then we can kind of rise to this super spiritual level. Like um, going off into the desert and living on a pole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. So um, I, I'm, I'm aware that what I said yesterday may have suggested these are three different kind of teachings they might have been but actually i've seen even just anecdotally in recent months people can float from one to the other quite easily and actually some of those who are drawn into gnosticism or modern day equivalents wanting to be special you know groping for the supernatural hidden knowledge etc it's quite interesting that very often those people will also be drawn by the hebrew roots movement they'll also add on their extra laws ascetic or otherwise and so um, I think it's just interesting to see how heresy often comes as a package. Mm. Um, and if someone is susceptible to one, they might find themselves drawn into another. So if someone's got a history of having been seduced by Jehovah's Witnesses, um, it wouldn't be surprising if they then got drawn into, you know, Gnosticism or they got quite obsessed with the sort of flat earth idea or they uh, got drawn into um you know some kind of legalism that says you can or can't eat this you know because i think spiritually in terms of the demonic realm all of these deceptions are connected mm. they all have the same goal which is to draw you away from christ yeah so the form might change but ultimately um this is you know that, that, that there is a connection spiritually and i would i guess i would say to people who have found themselves vulnerable to temptation in one of those areas to also watch out for the others because yeah. you could get drawn in. If there's a willingness to add, mm. it doesn't matter what mm. is added. Essentially, yeah. it yeah. will be added upon the gospel, yeah. which um, says in Revelation, doesn't it? Do not add yeah. to this. or you. What's? I'm going to read it out properly just so I don't misquote it. Right at the end. Oh, the, all these pages are stuck together. I'll cut this. Mm-hmm. So I turn to it instantly. Here we go. Uh, verse 19. If anyone takes away, takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. It can't get much clearer, can mm. it? If you take away from the gospel that the Lord has given to us, mm. then you are taking away mm. your salvation. Mm. Essentially, you, you will be condemned mm. because you are preaching a different message to the the one the lord intended yeah and it also says if anyone adds anything to them god will add to Mm. him the plagues described in this book so whether we're tempted to add and that's i guess the focus of of this passage in colossians or take away 
which I guess could be more the sort of liberalizing antinomianism um, trend, uh, we don't have the authority to do either of those. Yeah. You know, we've just got to take uh, Christ and his word as we find them mm. and, and submit. It's not for us to be the, be the judge and decide, uh, actually, I've got a better idea. Yeah. So um, be encouraged from this uh you if you believe in the lord jesus as your as your savior that he died rose again and through that you have access to the father you don't need to add anything to that mm. it's a beautiful gospel mm. that doesn't need taking away adding to mm. and if it, that is done there's consequences so stick to jesus jesus mm -hmm. is all you need Amen. before i close out is there anything you want to add i'd like to add all my eggs are in this basket Jesus. See you next week. <laughs>